Today I'm talking with Olivia Britton, who's the head solicitor at the Tauranga Community Law Centre, which is called Baywide, and I'm going to be talking to her about the role that community law centres play in facilitating access to justice, but also as someone who works at the coalface with people who often struggle with access issues, about what lawyers can be doing to make it easier for people to access the services that they need. I've been at Community Law Centre since June 2021, so I've just gone two years. And what were you doing prior to that? I was a barrister, um, practising almost exclusively in the criminal jurisdiction. And what was it that made you take the decision to jump into a community law centre? I am quite community-minded. Um, I wanted to join the community law centre to personally to expand my areas of expertise uh, because I primarily practised um, criminal law for the last 14 years prior to joining the Community Law Centre. So it was to broaden my areas of expertise and to try and help people that were not going to get legal help anywhere else. And so what is the role of running a Community Law Centre? So I'm the Managing Solicitor at the Community Law Centre, so I'm responsible for managing the team of lawyers. Uh, the Tauranga Baywide Community Law Service has two offices, one in Pakatani and one in Tauranga. Uh, we have four lawyers in the Tauranga office and three lawyers in the Whakatane office. Uh, so my responsibility is really to manage the team of lawyers and supervise all of the work uh, that comes through the door. So what sorts of work does come through the door? A broad range of um, work comes through the door. No two days are the same. The biggest areas we cover would be um, family law, employment law, and tenancy law, with criminal following closely behind that. And what kinds of assistance is the Community Law Centre able to provide? So we're primarily funded by the Ministry of Justice to provide legal information to everybody in the community, legal education to everybody in the community, and legal advice uh, to those that meet our eligibility criteria, and that's, um, as you'll appreciate, financial uh, criteria largely, although we do have some discretion uh, in terms of if someone has a particular vulnerability, such as a disability, we can exercise our discretion in terms of that criteria. Yeah. And so are, are lawyers from community law centres appearing in court or doing that sort of work for clients? Yes, on occasion. Um, while we're primarily funded to provide initial legal advice, um, there are occasions where we do provide representation to clients, um, although that is limited and needs to be so that we can continue to meet the needs of our clients on a day-to-day -day basis. And so what happens for clients who do need that representation but can't get it from, from you guys? Well, if I can use an example, perhaps um, in the civil jurisdiction, it happens a lot. Uh, so often we don't have the resources to represent the client or to continue representing the client above and beyond the initial legal advice and we have great difficulty uh, in finding a lawyer who is prepared to act on civil legal aid uh, for a client and in fact we've had about three or four recent examples of cases where we've been unable to find a lawyer to act on legal aid for a client um, and what happens to them essentially they end up self-represented litigants. And I'm guessing that the outcomes in those cases are probably not what they might otherwise be? Correct. So how many cases are you dealing with on a typical day? On a typical day we'd be dealing, each lawyer uh, generally sees around three clients a day each. 
um, and we've, so we've got seven lawyers uh, at the moment, soon to be eight, uh, so three, three clients per lawyer. There's quite a lot of volume, especially if uh, some of those people aren't able to be assisted of that, you know, 20 odd clients a day. How many of them would you say you're able to resolve things for them? A large majority we are able to resolve for them, um, to be fair. Um, a lot of them we refer um, primarily to legal aid providers, um, whether it be family legal aid provider or criminal legal aid provider. Uh, as I say, civil legal aid providers are few and far between. Um, so we are able to resolve quite a number of uh, the matters that walk through our doors, but there are others uh, that um, are not resolved. And so the gap really is around that civil legal aid component in particular? That's where I see the gap, the um, inaccessibility of, of legal aid, um, the level, the, well, the shortage of legal aid providers uh, in the civil jurisdiction, and the fact that civil litigation is inaccessible and hugely expensive. So what sorts of volunteer work gets done through community court centres? Well, I think if we're talking about access to justice, I think a lot of the people that we see at, at the community law centre, first, for many, are not even able to identify that they have a legal issue. They don't know their rights. They don't know how to protect their interests. And by and large, those are the kinds of people we see. And, and a really good example of that, if I can give you an example of a, of a case that I think is quite illustrative of what community law centres do. Um, very recently, we had an 80-year-old client um, come and see us, and she lived alone in a single one-bedroom flat. She, her health deteriorated um, quite significantly to the, to the point where her mobility was affected. She wanted a friend to come over and assist her, um, as she didn't. She wasn't a very trusting lady, so she wanted her friend to come and assist her on a day-to-day -day basis until she became well. Her tenancy agreement with the landlord um, did not allow her to have uh, visitors overnight, and it didn't allow. It had a specific time period for visitors to be able to visit her during the day. Now she came to us really on the basis that. I need my friend to come and help me and my landlord saying no no you can't have your friend because this is what your tenancy agreement says so when we obtained the tenancy agreement and reviewed it we realized that both of those clauses were unlawful and unenforceable and we wrote to her landlord and advised her landlord of that and as a result of that um, the landlord is now agreed that that is the case and is sending her a new tenancy agreement with those clauses deleted so she's now able to have her friends come come and go um, whenever she pleases. I mean, that's, a, that's a real success story just straight off the bat um, but I'm interested by what you say that a lot of people don't don't understand that they have legal issues or don't know what their rights are. Would you say then that the people who manage to find their way to you might just be the tip of the iceberg compared to the people who just don't understand that they could do something about the situation they find themselves in. Totally, absolutely. I think, you know, access to justice is about having the means and the opportunity and the knowledge uh, to approach or resolve your dispute. And I don't think a lot of people have that knowledge um, or the institutional knowledge that you might need um, to approach a particular issue or resolve a particular dispute. Uh, there's a lack, in my view, of institutional awareness, and I think navigating complex um, government processes and the like is very difficult for a lot of people. What do you think is the solution to that sort of lack of knowledge in the general population? 
increased uh, education, uh, finding better ways uh, to relay uh, legal information, um, thinking of different ways that legal information uh, can be relayed to the general public because the people have issues, you know, whether it be with literacy, um, understanding, those sorts of things. Um, so some real thought, in my view, needs to go into better ways of, of keeping the community or the public informed uh, in terms of legal information. You mentioned things like barriers to literacy in your answer there. Um, obviously, a lot of the people using a community law centre are lower income. Mm -hmm. But are there other barriers that you see quite frequently or, or things that a lot of your clients have in common with one another that makes it harder for them in particular to access legal services? We see a number of clients with, with disabilities. Um, a number of, I, I think there, there, there's many barriers and I could um, write a long list, but for example, connectivity issues, they might live rurally and not have internet access, a lot of our clients don't have phone, there are financial issues, there are people that don't even have a copy of their birth certificate, so they're not able to obtain identification, as a result of that they're not able to obtain a Ministry of Social Development benefit. Um, there, there are numerous um, disadvantages um, that I think impact um, on people's ability to access justice. So we've talked about a number of these different barriers that exist uh, to people accessing justice and accessing legal services. Um, as someone who's really working at the coalface on that question, if you were to write a wish list of, of things you'd like to see done to make it more accessible, what other sorts of things would be at the top of your list? The top of my list would be um, greater funding for community law centres uh, to be able to um, resource more fully. Um, lower cost uh, alternative dispute resolution procedures uh, in terms of avoiding the need to go to court all the time. Legal aid system improvements obviously in terms of the financial eligibility criteria and in terms of the shortage of providers um, practicing legal aid work um, and I think they're intertwined in the sense that um, lawyers are not generally attracted to legal aid work because of the low remuneration rates um, and then of course the stringent financial eligibility criteria makes it very difficult for some people to those people that fall through the gaps um, to access um, legal aid. The other matter on my wish list would be more guidance for self-represented litigants and I'm not sure uh, what form that would take but I think that a lot of thought needs to be given to guiding people through the court process when they are self-represented, whether that be by way of interactive videos so that they're accessible and understandable to, to everybody. You, you mentioned in that answer, you know, more cost-effective pathways for dispute resolution. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, obviously one of the pathways that does exist is the Disputes Tribunal, mm -hmm. um, which is something that's the, the terms for the Disputes Tribunal have been in active discussion recently. Do you think that the current model for the Disputes Tribunal is fit for purpose? I do think it's fit for purpose, but I think the problem with the Disputes Tribunal is the jurisdictional limit of $30,000, and I, I believe that the Rules Committee have, have proposed reforms to look at increasing that limit to $70,000 or $100,000 um, by consent. Um, and I totally support um, that proposal, proposal because it is going to capture um, and a lot more cases. 
and it's going to mean that the litigation aspect is a lot more cost effective uh, for people. So I fully support the, the raise in the jurisdictional cap. But I do generally think in terms of the forum of the disputes tribunal, it's user friendly and it's designed for the layperson. One thing that um, has been in discussion is making pro bono hours a mandatory part of the process for practicing lawyers. Mm -hmm. um, do you think that that would be beneficial to the kind of issues that you're seeing? Do you think it's something that uh, community law centres would benefit from if all lawyers were required to contribute in some way? I think it's important for lawyers to undertake at least some pro bono um, work, um, no matter what area uh, they practice in. Um, we do, there is um, Te Araturi, which is the pro bono clearing house, um, and there are a number of lawyers registered across the country um, to provide pro, pro bono work, but as I understand it, that, that number could, could quite happily increase. What is Te Araturi? Te Araturi is a um, pro bono clearing house, essentially. It is a portal-based system where pro bono lawyers can volunteer their services. And community law centres can make referrals to Te Aratui, uh, in relation to particular clients in the hope that um, one of the lawyers volunteering their services will pick up um, that particular case. Is it well subscribed with lawyers? I don't think that there is enough knowledge about Te Aratui amongst the legal community. Uh, I only learned of its existence um, upon joining the community law centre and hadn't heard of it um, prior to joining the community law centre, so I don't think it's well enough known uh, and more could be done in, in that space. So talking bigger picture then, what sort of things is the community law centre working on at the moment? At the moment we are really focused on building our profile within the community. We have rebranded um, into the, the old signage was, was very dated. We've rebranded, we've made an effort to connect with other social agencies um, to make sure that they are aware of, of our existence so that they're able in turn to support their clients. Uh, we have had a big focus on increasing our education, legal education sessions and making sure that we can promote those education sessions throughout our region and we cover, our community law centre covers from Takaha through to Waihei, so a relatively big um, catchment area. So we're making a real effort uh, to make our presence known and our availability known uh, by getting out there and connecting um, with others in the community. Now obviously community law centres are, are one of several services and they're often mentioned in the same breath as organisations like Citizens Advice Bureau and groups like that. Mm -hmm. What would you say is unique about what a community law centre provides? What's unique about what the community law centre provides is that the, we can provide, because we have qualified lawyers, we can provide actual legal advice. I mean I'm not aware of any other organisation that provides free legal advice to people on low incomes. So you've mentioned that one of the real barriers to people accessing legal services is a lack of education. I'm just interested in drilling down on that a little bit. Um, what sort of base legal knowledge would you say your clients have about the law and what laws apply to them? Very little, if any. The majority of our clients do not have any understanding of their rights or, or of New Zealand legislation. And do they have any pathway for trying to find answers to those sorts of questions? There are, of course, um, websites available, um, such as New Zealand legislation, but that 
uh, once you get, to, if they're able to, to get to that site or to get to the legislation online, it's, the issue really becomes, are they going to be able to understand the legislation? And, and nine times out of ten, the answer is going to be no. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. <laughs>